Do you have a project on your design wall leading up to Canada Day? Do you have a favorite Canadian-themed quilt that you hang out every year? Today, we'll feature a quick and easy patriotic challenge using a technique called Pujagi with my special guest today that you can hang in your window leading up to July 1st. Welcome to the Quilter on Fire podcast. Hey, quilt crew, I'm Brandy Maslowski, a firefighter turned quilt teacher, speaker, and author of children's picture book, Christie's Quilt. I created the Quilter on Fire podcast to build a community of quilters that I love. This is my happy place, being surrounded by you. One podcast episode at a time, I'll bring you more joy and less overwhelm in the quilting studio. Welcome to episode 25 of the Quilter on Fire podcast. Can you believe we've hit 25 episodes already? We have a great podcast today. My guest is Elizabeth DeCruz, and she loves quilting, pojaggy, embroidery, and sewing in her studio. Her business is called Ipeda Studios, and she has a super fun O Canada sew-along happening right now, just in time for Canada Day. She has a wonderful story about where she's lived in the world and why she's in love with pojaggy, and I can't wait to share her story with with you. Elizabeth DeCruz, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. I'm so happy to have you on the show. So I love to start at the beginning. So tell us a little bit about your quilting story. How did you get started with Stitch? Um, well, it's interesting when I think about it, because I don't know why I was drawn to quilting, because there aren't any quilters in my family. So I did come from a family of makers and people that did things. But for some reason, I was just drawn to quilting and I wanted to learn how to do it. And this was in the early mid 80s. So there was no YouTube. So I just went to the library and got out every book that I could find on quilting, embroidery. And I just basically taught myself from the resources that I could find. Yeah. And so obviously you fell in love with it because you were searching it out. So along your quilting journey, was was there a mentor who really meant a lot to you? It's interesting that probably my big mentor was my mom, even though she was not a quilter. But I did learn from her by example that if I wanted to learn something, I would be able to figure it out because I saw that she learned um, like ceramics and cake decorating and a bunch of other things. She would just find a class, find a teacher, find a way to learn it. And so that was an example to me that I could just go learn things that I wanted and it wasn't required to just do what other people around me were doing. Yeah, that's such a great message. So you saw your mom as an example of everything that she just had, you know, a desire to try. She went for it and then she learned from scratch. That's really great. So Tell us a story about where you've lived in the world. You took a little two-year break from Canada and you found something wonderful. So tell us about that. Yes. So I grew up in Cambridge, Ontario, and I lived there. I still lived there when I went to school and then I got married and then I had kids. And then one day my husband was offered a job opportunity to go to Korea for a two-year project. And so we packed up four kids who were ages one, four, six, and 10. And we moved there and I didn't know anything about Korea. I didn't know the language or the food or even where I would be living. I didn't really know anything, but just jumped in. I think I was ready for a break from living in the same place my whole life. And it was just such a great opportunity. I met 
amazing people. And it was a really great experience for our whole family. Wow. Well, I would love to just get a little tidbit about how did your family adjust to the food situation? That was an interesting thing, just because even the grocery store, it was so difficult to to shop because I didn't, I couldn't read labels. I didn't really know what things are. A funny story. My husband had been to Korea before for work and he really enjoyed the Korean food. And so he kind of had in his mind that when we went there, we'd be eating Korean food all the time, but I was <laughs> cooking and I didn't know how to cook Korean food. So. Oh, that's so funny. So did you end up trying to take lessons or following recipe books or things like that? Yes. I was able to find some, some people online who did Korean cooking. And so that was able to expand what different ingredients were. And so I, it really did open a whole new range of eating. And so now I can really see in my kids, like they love foods from other countries. They're always ready to try something new. And I think because of that experience. Wow. That must've been such an epic adventure with small kids. I mean, I just can't even imagine it's such a massive undertaking. So, so you were there in Korea and obviously you already had a love for quilting, but you may not have had the regular quilt shops all around you like you would in Canada. So, so where did Pojagi come into the picture? Well, when we moved there, of course, it was a huge culture shock and a transition and I mean, it was a really good experience, but there were a lot of really stressful times. And so Mm -hmm. that was one of the first things that I purchased was a sewing machine. And that was really something that helped in the, the stress and the unknown and everything was changing and new. It really helped my mental health to have one thing that I knew how to do in a land where I didn't even know how to shop for groceries. It, that really helped. And then I discovered in the first few months that we were there, there was a community center nearby that had different classes like art classes and music and exercise. And I was in there and I saw a sample for this class and I didn't even know what it was. It was kind Mm -hmm. of like quilting, but not exactly quilting. And so I just signed up for the class. Um, The teacher said she would take me even though I didn't speak Korean. And so I showed up for this class and I didn't know what it was. I didn't know what I was going to be doing, but I saw that it was some kind of stitching, hand stitching. And so it turned out that this was the class for Pojagi, which is traditional Korean sewing. So a Pojagi used as a noun is a wrapping cloth. So these are traditional fabrics um, that would be used to wrap things to carry them or to store them or to give gifts. So that is what a Pujagi is. And they've been used in Korea for thousands of years. So it's a huge mm-hmm. part of their culture and history. But it the word also refers to some of the techniques because there are different types and styles of Pujagi. Some are just a plain single piece of fabric, but there's other that are pieced together like patchwork. And some of these old ones are displayed in museums. So they're now collected and appreciated for the art. When at the time when they were made, they would have just been um, like utility things that people scrap together with leftover pieces of fabric to make something useful. Mm -hmm. So this class 
I just fell in love with it. And my teacher was so helpful. And I just learned so much about the different materials and the different fabrics and things that they used. And it's all different techniques, but it was just so different. And it was so beautiful. I just really enjoyed it. Yeah. And so that first class was a hand stitching class, right? So you've added a little contemporary twist to what you learned in Korea. So tell us about that. So I I kept taking that class. It was a three month class, but I just kept signing up for the next session over and over. So I took the class for about two years. Wow. And every time I went in, my teacher would just give me a new project. Now you're going to make this. Now you're going to make this. And a lot of the things I made, there's pictures of it on my website. So if you're curious, you can go see. But then when I came back to Canada, then it was a little bit like a transition again, because I didn't have that class. And a lot of the materials and things I worked with were, it's very difficult. Like some of the things I've still never found in Canada for sale. And so then I was struggling, like, am I going to keep doing this? Or how am I going to do it? And I really wanted to make some larger pieces to hang in a window because it just looks beautiful hanging in a window. Mm -hmm. But I also realized just with everyday life and with four kids that um, I was not going to have the time to hand stitch a large piece to hang in my window. So I thought, oh, there should be a way to develop the same techniques by sewing machines. So I played around. Uh, and I was able to replicate that technique on sewing machine. And I tried some different fabrics. And then when I tried batik fabric, then I knew that was it. Because batik fabric has a, a natural glow already to it. And this, when I hung it in the window, it just looks just like stained glass. And I thought, oh, this is what I want to work with. So I, there are other fabrics you can use. But for window hangings, I usually use fatigue fabric and I do the seams on my sewing machine. Mm-hmm. So Pajagi just simply doesn't have batting, right? And yeah. so we'll talk about the techniques a little bit more later. But mm-hmm. so you brought this love of Pajagi back to Canada. Mm-hmm. Tell me about the types of quilting you've tried over the years and why you think Pajagi really stuck with you. So um, I've tried almost everything probably. So I've done um, applique and I've done strip piecing and any kind of piecing and assembly and free motion quilting, walking foot quilting. So I'm always open to trying new things. And I think that Pujagi just stuck with me because it's really different and it, it gives you a different place to use patchwork. So if all your beds have a quilt on them, then this will be something else to display in a window and it it just looks really different and it's beautiful and I know when I meet people then they usually say I've never seen anything like this even if they've been quilting for 50 years it's something new and different yeah and I can see why you would fall in love with it because those two years in Korea were really memorable for you and that's the majority of what you created so um, so what would you call yourself as a quilter? We know you love Pujagi, but otherwise, are you kind of modern or traditional? What would you call yourself? Uh, I would probably call myself eclectic, um, just because I can't really pin down a style. I do have a bit of maker attention deficit, and I can't stick to just one technique. <laughs> so in 
in quilting, I'm probably traditional, like I like the traditional blocks and layouts, but I'm not against modern quilts or trying different things. Can you tell us about your most memorable quilting project? Probably my most memorable project was something, it again goes back to our time in Korea, because right before we were going to leave, it was leading up to my parents' 40th anniversary. So I thought that would be a good time to make a quilt for them. So I had a design, I had everything planned out. And I machine embroidered little pictures to go in the middle of the blocks. And then when I was in the middle of doing that, then we decided, oh yeah, we're going to move to the other side of the world. So I um, quickly, as I was packing, my machine embroidery was going to finish the middle of all these blocks. And then I just packed up all the fabric and took it with me and then finished it in Korea. And then because the machine I had there, it wasn't really up to the task of machine quilting. So I ended up hand quilting it. Um, so that was also something nice to feel still connected to my family. And I was able to ship it back to my parents. Oh, yeah. And it must be so memorable for them because they were probably missing you so much when you were away. Well, that's so great. And do you have, like when you came back to Canada, did you have another career or and do quilting on the side? Or are you a full-time quilter now? Or how did you make that transition? Um, so when I came back, it was always a hobby. But when I was in Korea, I started a little blog. And basically the purpose of that was just to show my mom and my aunts and a couple people what I was doing while I was in Korea. But on the blog, I put a couple... Um, tutorials for Pujagi techniques and um, they really they really got a lot of interest and um, I mean it had horrible photography it wasn't really that great and still today I see those bad pictures floating around on Pinterest and so after we adjusted my kids were getting older and so it's time to think about what am I going to do um, when they were going to be all be in school and so I decided if there's the interest that, to, that maybe I should pursue that more seriously and not just as a hobby. So mm -hmm. then I gradually made the transition to do this as a full-time career. Yeah, that's so great. And you're still blogging today on, the, on your website. Mm -hmm. So where can quilters go to find that? What's your website? So it's ebidastudio.com, E-P-I-D-A studio. Okay, and they can click on the blog once they're there. Yes. So tell us the story behind the name Epita Studio. So that is a funny story. So when we went to Korea, my youngest daughter, she was one years old, and she had blonde hair with big curls and bright blue eyes. So she attracted a lot of attention. And as a toddler, she loved the attention. Like she thought she was a movie star. Because <laughs> going down the street, People would stop and take her picture and she would just smile and wave. And then a lot of the older ladies, they would always, always come over to see her and they say the Korean word. And I would apologize for my accent, but the Korean word, yepida, yepida, um, and I didn't know what it meant. For a while, I thought maybe it meant baby, but then I found out eventually that it meant beautiful. Aww. And so when I was thinking about a name for my business, then I was just reminded of 
that word that I heard over and over people referring to my daughter. And so I did a play on that word to be E, but uh, I wanted to start with E because my name Elizabeth starts with E. Yeah. And so it's play on the Korean word for beautiful, but it's also a tribute to the great people that I met there and the great um, beautiful artwork that they have there that is inspired me. Oh, that's so heartwarming. And so before we go to break and we talk about the sponsors, I want to just get a little more into what exactly is Pojagi. So can you give us a little bit about the process, how it's made? Okay, so there are a few different forms and styles. But the one thing that is really unusual is that when it is stitched together, the pieces are stitched together with a whip stitch. So imagine Like if you've done paper piecing and you do the whip stitch to join the pieces, except that the stitches are on the outside. So they are normally done in a contrasting thread and that is part of the design. So the stitching is visible part of the design. So that's the one thing that is clearly different. And there are two main different styles. So the one is a lined pajagi. So there are two layers. There's no batting in the middle. But these pieces often look like Western quilts, like it'll be a bunch of squares or triangles and they're joined together and you can see the stitching. But then there's another form and this is an unlined piece. So these are pieces where the seams are totally finished so that all the raw edges are tucked inside and the piece is totally reversible. So it's just one layer of fabric And so if you know garment sewing, it's similar to a flat fell seam. Mm -hmm. And so it goes together and it's just a reversible piece. Well, that is so cool. And I can't wait to learn more about that. So right now we're going to take a short break for a note from our sponsors. And then we'll come right back and we'll talk about how you can participate in a really fun Canada Day project with Pajagi. This is something you'll be able to put out every year for Canada Day or just keep it out all year long. The O Canada Sew Along. This is so exciting. We'll be right back. So here's a word from our sponsor. Northcott Fabrics are famous to quilters for their Stonehenge and O Canada collections. Right here on this podcast, we give away fabric from Northcott Collections, Banyan Batiks, and Figo Fabrics. Look for all of these at your local quilt shop. Northcott, cottons that feel like silk. And now here's a word from our clothing sponsor. Sass Boutique is dressing me in style for the podcast trailers. This apron I'm wearing today is so cool. It has adorable hand-printed California quails drinking wine. If you can't see me right now, head on over to the Quilter on Fire YouTube channel to watch the trailer so you can check out this apron. It's perfect for throwing on in your studio so you don't find yourself running an errand later in the afternoon and you're covered in bits of thread. Each apron is one-of-a-kind hand-printed so you can pick up the phone and call to ask about their current selection of colors and prints. Just call 250-494-1677. With locations now in Summerland and Penticton, Sass Boutique carries beautiful, comfortable, classy clothing. And we're back. So Elizabeth, this sew along sounds like so much fun. I can't wait to try Pojagi. So tell us about the Ipita Studios O Canada Sew Along. So the O Canada Sew Along is going to be in the month of June. And interestingly, it's part of a set of patterns that I have that go through the seasons of the year. There's a a winter, spring, fall, and summer. 
And this is actually the fall pattern, but the fall pattern is a maple leaf. So I thought, well, that would be perfect for Canada Day. It doesn't have to be just for fall. And so people can sign up on my website. If you go to ebitastudio.com and there's a big button at the top that says, join the O Canada so along. And then during the month of June, we'll be making this reversible patchwork maple leaf. It's 24 inches square. So it's a size, a nice size for most windows to hang up and display. And they should be all ready for July 1st for Canada Day. Yeah, that's so exciting. And you have a Facebook group as well? Yes. Yes, there's a Facebook group. So I'm going to be offering some prizes through the Facebook group and through Instagram. So it should be a lot of fun. Okay, that sounds really good. Okay, and you're going to do something on June 1st. So what's all that about? Yeah, so June 1st is going to be the official launch. So I'm going to do a Facebook Live just to do a demonstration of the technique and answer any of the common questions that I get about the technique and about the project. Okay, that sounds like so much fun. So I already signed up and I have the pattern and I need to choose my fabric before June 1st for the event. And I'll probably be popping in to say hello at that event as well. So that could be fun. Okay, so let's chat about some of the other designs that you have for Pojagi because it's like hanging fabric stained glass in your window. So what kind of other designs do you have to offer? So I do have that set that has a snowflake for winter and then a flower for spring and a sunshine for summer. So those are nice. They're all the same size. So you can switch them out seasonally. Then another really popular pattern I have is called gradient panels. And the, it's a long piece. It's about 20 inches by 70 inches. So those are a nice size for hanging in sliding glass doors. And you can hang two or three, depending on how much privacy you need. And so they're nice because it gives privacy, but it still lets the light through. And if you've ever had a quilt top, like a flimsy and held it up in the sun and you say, oh, wow, it looks like stained glass. This looks just like that. It's the same kind of look that you get, just that there's no raw edges exposed. Everything's tucked away inside. I think if my husband saw that one for the door, he would insist that I make it because he he's in an office in our kitchen looking out at the lake, which is wonderful. But we've got this horrible paper blind on the door that flaps around and it's kind of a mess. So it would be actually nice to to check that one out. And I'm really excited about the four seasons. I think that's a great idea. It's so nice to hang something beautiful outside your door, outside your window or wherever. So and you have some great table runner and quilt patterns, too. So tell us about those. Yeah, so I have some other patterns. Most of my patterns are pretty simple. So they'd be good even for beginners or somebody who wants a quick and easy project. So the table runner and placemat patterns that I have, I call them fill in the blanks because they're designed that you can be really creative with them. And so if you want to use a feature fabric, you can do that to show off a special uh, make them maybe a seasonal fabric or something that you have that you really want to showcase. Or if you want to showcase applique or embroidery or free motion quilting, there's just a place in the middle that's really nice for showing off whatever kind of work you do. Oh, that sounds good. Okay. And you are doing something cool on Instagram with embroidery. So what's your Instagram handle and what are you doing there? Okay, so my Instagram is elizabeth.ebitastudio. 
And this is really fun. I'm doing every day since January 1st, I'm doing like a really mini video tutorial of a different embroidery stitch. And so far I've been able to do a different stitch every day. My goal originally was to see if I could go for a whole year. On my list of stitches, I don't have 365 different stitches. So I'm gonna maybe start doing flowers or something else, um, but I'm still going with different stitches. So if you're interested in seeing that or trying out different things, that's a good place to see. But then they are also on my YouTube channel. So you can go there. And I get messages from people that say, I don't even embroider, but I really just like watching it. Oh, that's really sweet. And you have some great Zoom workshops where quilters can go to your website and find the date and sign up, right? It's not yeah. through a guild, but so tell us about those. So these are workshops um, that I do offer to guilds, but I'm also offering them to people who aren't in a guild or who want to do something on their own schedule. So they can just go and see the dates that I have available and sign up. And they are, they're just really fun to try a new project and meet different people that you would never meet. So in my last workshop, I had a pair of sisters that took the workshop together, but the one sister lived in Southern California and the other sister lived in Boston. So that was just something that they did together. So that was really fun. Oh, that's so nice. So tell us the types of workshops you're teaching. So the most popular type of workshops are the Pujagi workshops because it's something different. So the one I have, is called Pujagi Improv. And there are two different project options. And these are really easy, just random cutting and random piecing together. And then you just end up with a beautiful piece. And I've seen so many different color selections and I've never seen one that looks bad, especially when it's hanging in the sun. They all just look beautiful. So that one is really popular because it's just, it's a fun and relaxing way to try something new. And then I have some other ones that go through specific patterns, like the maple leaf window hanging. I have specific workshops for that pattern. Okay, that sounds really good. So you can find those on your website. Mm -hmm. And you also have a trunk show to tell your story, but you're doing something fun in June at Quilt Canada. So tell us about that. It's a virtual event, right? Yes, it's a virtual event. So it's online. Um, so my trunk show that I offer to guilds that is the most popular one is my story of going to Korea and then how I developed this other kind of Pujari technique. But in Quilt Canada, I'm going to be giving a lecture that is a lot more of the Korean history and a lot more detailed about the different types of Pujari and how they were used. And so it's called 2000 Years of Patchwork and it is on June 18th at 9.30 a.m. Eastern time. But I did just find out from the organizers that it is going to be recorded. So people that register for the workshop, then they will have two or three days that they could watch it later. So if you're on the West Coast and you don't want to get up and watch it at 630 in the morning, <laughs> then you can watch it later in that day on your own schedule. Yeah, that's that's pretty early for us over here. So. I love the fact that you're celebrating the heritage and telling the story. So you have a Korean friend who's helping you. So tell us about her. Uh, so my Korean friend is helping because 
I have made attempts to learn the Korean language and linguistics isn't really my thing. And so I really want to respect the culture and the language. So she is coaching me to make sure that I'm pronouncing all the words properly and when I'm referring to things that I am just doing it in like a respectful way. Yeah, that's so great. I love how you're sharing the culture. Okay, now everyone knows that I love to do the lightning round robin with all of my guests. It's a series of rapid fire questions and it's super fun. So are you ready? Yes. Okay, great. So what is your favorite Pujagi design that you've ever created? Uh, my favorite design is from the Four Seasons and it's actually the snowflake. I really like that one. Yeah, I have to check it out because everything in my house is snowflake at Christmas time. Like there's literally nothing else. <laughs> so I really do have to make that one. That one is a little bit more complex. So I wouldn't recommend that as a very first Pajagi project. Well, this is perfect then. So I'll make the Canada maple leaf and then... The snowflake will be a good one. Yeah, I'll move on to the snowflake. Okay, so in your quilting world, who would you love to meet one day? Okay, the person that I hope I'm hoping to meet um, her name is Youngmin Lee, and she is an American Korean textile artist out of San Francisco. And we were actually supposed to go to Korea together last November. And then with COVID, it just all fell apart. And so I'm hoping to meet her, and I'm hoping that we can do the trip. Um, she takes a small group of people and does a Korean textile tour. And so it's a tour oh. of fabric shops and artist studios and museums and things. So I'm really hoping I could do that. Um, and also Sarah Cook is a um, textile artist in the United Kingdom. And she's actually written a book about Pojagi. Oh, cool. It's the best resource in the English language. So. Oh, great. Okay. And what is your favorite notion? Uh, my favorite notion is a hair marker which a lot of people, if you don't know what it is, it's like a little, it's a little plastic piece with the curved edge and it's used in Pajagi sewing for creasing fabric. But mm -hmm. since I started using that, I've also found it's great for marking lines on a quilt for doing um, free motion or walking foot quilting or for turning pieces inside out. So I found a lot of other uses for it as well. Yeah. So hold that up again so we can show, and then maybe I'll try to make sure it's in the video. Oh yeah. There you go. Hera marker. What color do you choose most often when quilting? This is a really hard question because I can't just pick a color, but I think my most common thing is to use one color and a neutral. So either like red and white or blue and white, green and white, whatever. That's probably my favorite. Okay. And who have you loved making quilts for in your life? Uh, my favorite is to make baby quilts. I just picture them using it. And I, I make quilts to be used and to be enjoyed. So my children will make fun of me when I'm making it. And they say, oh, the baby's going to spit up on that. I said, that's fine. That's what it's, it's to be used. I don't want to make it and have somebody just stick it in the closet and never look at it because they're afraid of ruining it. Yeah. Yeah, that's what it's for, right? It's washable. Okay. And do you have any little furry friends in your studio? Yes, I have a little cat. Uh, well, my children have a cat who likes me the best. Um, <laughs> so yeah, her name's Suki and she'll often come and 
try and get in the sewing machine or in the computer. Okay. And what do you like to listen to while you're quilting? I guess I do different things, but my favorite is probably just put on a show on Netflix and just binge the whole season. Yeah, that's super fun. And you can sort of look up when you have to yeah. <laughs> if you're quilting. <laughs> okay, so that was so fun, Elizabeth. Thank you so much for enduring the lightning round. So this last year and a half has been strange for everyone. How has your quilting world shifted over the pandemic? Uh, well, like everybody, I'm at home a lot more. And even before I worked from home, so I was at home a lot, but now everybody else is at home too. My kids were doing school from home and my husband was sometimes working from home. So that was an adjustment just to have other people in my space because my studio is right in the middle of my house, like right beside the kitchen and the dining room. So that was a big adjustment, just having other people around and getting used to adapting that way. Yeah. And we, we mentioned earlier about where you've lived in the world, but we didn't actually say where you live in Canada. So where are you? I'm in Cambridge, Ontario, which is just about one hour drive at west of Toronto. Okay. So now I've already mentioned your website at epitastudio.com. So I really suggest that if you're listening, you dive in there to look at Elizabeth's blog, her tutorials, her eBooks, and her printables. But Elizabeth, where's the best place for people to engage with you on social media? Um, the best place would probably be Instagram. I check that multiple times a day or also on Facebook. Okay. And can you mention the Instagram handle? My Instagram, it's elizabeth.ebitastudio. Okay. And Epida is E-P-I-D-A. And what's your name on Facebook? On Facebook. Um, I just have a page. It's Epida Studio. Okay, great. So in your quilting world, what brings you the most joy? I just enjoy the whole process, like the process of making something and then seeing a finished thing that I've made. Yeah, that's it's a favorite part for a lot of quilters. You just get right into it and you're in your groove, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. And again, I want to really make sure everybody knows about this event. So your event is called the O Canada So Long, and there's plenty of time to make it before Canada Day. Let's talk a little bit about the giveaway we're doing today. So today, Elizabeth is giving away enrollment in the Maple Leaf Window Hanging Workshop. Or if you're one of the hundreds of quilters who's already signed up for that and you're making it, you can choose from any of her recorded courses or live workshops. That's such a generous prize. Thank you so much, Elizabeth. Oh, you're welcome. Okay, now as we wrap up this podcast, what do you want quilters to take away most from our conversation today? Uh, the most important thing, I think, is that making things should help reduce your stress. It should be something that helps you be more calm and brings you joy. So if you're working on a project and it's just increasing your stress, or you're really frustrated, I would say set it down, take a break. And if you find that even coming back to it, it's still a lot of stress, like give yourself permission to not do it mm -hmm. and just work on what you enjoy. Because I don't think anybody's in a situation where you must quilt or you're going to freeze to death in the winter. Yeah, uh, We're not in a situation where we have to do these things. So I think do what you enjoy and don't just do things out of obligation. That's so great. What a good message to end with today. 
So I really appreciate you being here. Thank you so much, Elizabeth, for being on the show. Oh, thanks so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. So that was my show with Elizabeth DeCruz. She has an absolute passion for Pojagi and she teaches it in a way that really honors her Korean mentor and the heritage of the craft. Now, if you want to participate in the O Canada Sew Along, this is going to be really fun and you'll have something beautiful to hang in your window year after year. So go to ipidastudio.com, that's E-P-I-D-A studio, and there is a button right at the top of the page that says join O Canada Sew Along. It's free to join and you can choose to either simply buy the pattern to take part or take the course or take the live workshop. I really hope you'll join us. Now, don't forget, I love to hear from you. Send me a direct message anytime. You are my quilt crew, and this is your community too. And please share this podcast. The kindest thing you can do for me is to introduce me to your friends. Thank you for listening to the Quilter on Fire podcast. Until next time, dream big and have fun in the studio with the Quilter on Fire.